Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to tell you about this podcast. It's called The DK Project, but it's really The Darren Show. The DK Project is a radio show, but without the radio. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Let's go! All right, Project fans, we have got a special one for you today. This is the latest episode of the DK Project with Jesse Blaze Snyder. This guy's got a resume that won't stop. Actually, he talks about the resume in the podcast uh, when he went to get a part-time job. It's a funny little story. You're not going to want to miss that one. But Jesse Blaze Snyder is son of D. Snyder, the front man for Twisted Sister. He has got his own band, which you just heard a, the new release from. He's actually got a video out for that. A particular song and uh, they just released the album it's a it's a great album i gotta tell you i don't often uh like the whole album i like a song or two and this one boy i like almost all of them it's uh jesse blaze uh come with me if you want to live is the latest album and that uh new uh video is for uh knockout uh, the first cut on the album which man it's great but this guy's done it all he's the voice uh voiceover guy uh he does pizza hut he does kia he's uh, does something on the food network. Uh, he's, he's just got it all. And on top of that, he draws and, and, uh, does comic books. So great story. Great interview. The guy was uh, a good time. We actually ran a little long, but it was worth it because, uh, the stories just kept coming. So please, uh, sit back, buckle up and enjoy Jesse blaze Snyder. Since we got the green light from the artist, Let's listen to another cut off the album. Here's one of my favorites, Carry Me Home. Just a sample. Enjoy. Carry me home. Carry me home. I can't go on. It's been dust till dawn. I know I'll never get there alone. Carry me home. There you have it. Make sure you get out there and pick up that new album, wherever you get your music from. Jesse Blaze, come with me if you want to live. Now, on to the episode. Welcome back, podcast listeners, to the DK Project. Zooming in today, we've got Jesse Blaze Snyder. Mr. Snyder, how are you today? Very good, thank you. Finally catching up with you. Last time we spoke, you were uh, driving on the Autobahn, uh, headed for an appointment that you were Maybe not on time for. I don't know. I don't want to split hairs. Yeah, I was um, just sort of last minute uh, things. You know, it's been uh, an interesting moment of sort of last minute gigs and little, hey, can you come help out with this and that? And everybody's kind of flying by the seat of their pants, working on different projects for the future, trying to figure out how to make it through this uh, period the best they can. So what what have you been doing during this pandemic? You've been busy. You've got uh, quite a quiver of... Uh tools in your in your bag there right like i mean you do comic books you do the music you do the voiceover geez come on yeah it's been uh you know a little bit of all that uh you know in the middle of this uh, i've released an album a new album called come with me if you want to live 
um you know which is funny at some point somebody was like you know there's a pandemic going on i'm like i the album was already in the pipeline <laughs> i um you know what speaking of that album i jumped into oh. that album when you uh when we were initially set this up and uh it comes up on my soundcloud and it says on there the cure for the quarantine um <laughs> the new the new album but anyway um i'm not normally a, a heavy metal rock guy and i don't know where you're classifying this because it's right in the middle of the road um but i really liked it's it I, uh, fix. i've yet to find a track that uh i don't like it normally i'm a you know maybe two songs on an album kind of guy but these are like uh you know rock and roll man i like it you don't you don't hear that anymore it's refreshing thank you Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted to be kind of the gateway to rock music because I think a lot of people kind of cut themselves off uh, similar to how somebody who might be like, oh, I don't like country music, um, which you're doing yourself a disservice. There's just some wonderful storytelling and stuff going on in the country music. And in the rock music, there's this wonderful connection to... You know, the spirit of man and, and strength and bravery and, and overcoming obstacles and stuff. And, you know, so much of these songs, the great ones, have carried over from the 70s. And everybody knows, you know, when I can take it as a good example. Um, and, uh, and so many others. Uh, but we still have, like, a little bit of, like, a tendency to be like, ah, I'm not a big rock guy or whatever. But for me, that's just sort of like a a little sous-son of, like, sous-son. The, the whole musical spectrum of tools you can use and the the rock and roll embodies that anger and that power and you know there are things that pop embodies really well and things that uh rap and spoken word embody really well and each one of those things can be used to great effect so i mean you know somebody described my record as like uh rock blues country you know i would rap. i would agree with that i would agree with that it's got <laughs> A little bit of everything. I kind of, uh, I kind of uh, like it. And you've got what five albums out? I uh, I think it's actually like six uh, that were just like sort of re-released online. Um, three like kind of different si- side projects. One being my solo thing, and the, but they're all Jesse Blaze. So like, there's a side project called The Slip, which are all these like electronic dance pop songs that are really dark uh and another album that i released through image comics uh, an ep called blacklight district and then a, a collection of music for my old band baptized by fire and my band blaze where my drummer died which is at the very beginning of my musical journey and then a couple little collections of stuff so i mean there's a lot of things for people to find and uh you know for me the most important thing for the bands that i like to listen to was consistency you know i didn't like a band that had one or two songs that I liked, I was always searching for the bands where I could just put on an album and chill out and get into their vibe for a little while. And that is, you know, my paramount goal that uh, I deliver something that you can chill out and get something from. And, uh, you know, I've been behind the scenes really after my band uh, and doing Rock the Cradle, which was a a performance reality show I did a while back. I just kind of decided to go behind the scenes and make music for movies and TV and things like that. And uh, that was cool. And I was really successful. I got a lot of things on ESPN. Um, But, um, you know, I wasn't really capitalizing on them as sort of like a personality. Uh, But I was getting the itch to play. 
uh, and I missed, you know, being in a band, which I still like, I, I've opted to kind of be a solo artist that I'm still putting together, like who I'm going to be playing with out here now that I've just moved to New York. But uh, it, it felt right. It's all about what I have to say. And I have a lot of things to impart to people. I think there's a lot of emotions on the table uh, and things that we're going through that aren't being expressed in uh, modern music, at least not to my liking. And um, I got a lot of things to say. That's so awesome. uh, might as well just be my name on it. Well, and it's, and it's in your blood. I mean, how did it all, were you forced to play an instrument when you were growing up? I mean, obviously your dad being the musician that he is, I mean, uh, I'm sure he didn't, you know, strap a, a guitar to your hand, but it's gotta be, uh, you know, you gotta have quite the, the stories to tell from your youth with, uh, with all the bands and everything around you. Did you tour with your dad or what did you do? Well, um, well, I mean, that's an interesting question because I did actually, get to when i was 16 i got to 16 yeah i guess it was 16 i got to go on tour with my father to sweden which was the only time i ever did that but actually like be on like a i don't know it looked like a three three week tour like almost month tour in sweden all over you know the place and in nearby countries huge uh huge huge concerts crazy crazy concerts in europe you know my, my father is just like next level um and like you know a lot of people don't know but in europe their previous album prior to when I got taken, I want to rock that an album called you can't stop rock and roll. And in Europe, they had hits off of that record for whatever reason in America, it was decided that it was a good idea not to release their first album and promote that first here. Really? Like they did with every other eighties band that was big in Europe, but they went to a new record and that was the only record that was promoted here in the States. But, um, so, you know, in, in Europe, they just kind of have a little bit more la long lasting, whatever, cause they were around for a while as a hit making band that had a lot of songs people liked. Um, uh, cause they had three songs off of that record that were hits in, in Europe. Uh, I am, I me, um, we're going to make it, which I'm actually doing a cover of right now for uh, diabetes awareness, um, this year. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, you can't stop rock and roll, which is one of my favorite Twisted Sister songs. So that was cool. And I went to Sweden and um, did you get to go on you know, the stage the and do the whole bit? No, I was just the merch boy, uh -huh. you know. But he was doing he was doing his thing. You know, I was I was sixteen, so I was in like garage bands and stuff. I was writing my own songs and stuff, but really, you know, not not in any sort of pursuit of it in any way. Um, but that was really cool to to actually go on tour with him like that. And then, you know, as far as like instruments, you know, I was encouraged. I was writing songs since I was little. Uh, I wanted to play drums. They put a guitar in my hand. I didn't really like the guitar. Um, and I only like went so far with it at the time, though. Now I'm like redeveloping lots of instrumental skills. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, eventually when I became like wanted to write stuff by myself, I learned you know, I was like a music theory guy. So I, you know, figured out on a keyboard how to, you know, what I needed to do mechanically. I just had a notebook that was like, okay, these are the chords. <laughs> and I would bang out what I needed to bang out. But then I would go and I would meet with my co-writers, people who I would have recording this stuff. And they'd be like, you know, Jesse, you, you got it like bang, 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 bang. Perhaps bang, 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 bang. <laughs> like, and I was always like, that's way better. And <laughs> There's just such a richness of, uh, you know, the same way, you know, there's so many options to write lyrics and write melodies. There's such a richness of choices to make musically. And I just was 
did like wasn't as passionate about that to really get deep into all of like the choices that I had because the choices were almost like too much for me because I hadn't spent a lot of time with it and that wasn't really like my go-to thing I wasn't like just always needling around on the guitar I was like doing it trying to work out things for the thing that was my passion which was writing melodies and you know lyrics and you know because I you know you write a fully formed song without any drums or anything you just hear them in your mind you hear you hear it and then you got to go figure it out after the fact so this was like me going to figure it out after the fact but everybody would always bring so much more to the table in the collaboration when i had them recording i was like how is it that i'm going to say you didn't do any writing here you totally did writing (laughs) and if that's the case i'm just going to collaborate with people and i'm not going to be the guy trying to figure out how what i should be playing on the guitar because it wasn't fun for me. It was always like really hard. It would take me a long time. I would like sit there, it was like doing homework and I'd be like writing the guitar for my songs. And, uh, and I was just like, this sucks. I'd rather just interact with somebody who I love, who's like just as good as I am at making melodies and lyrics, you know, but with their guitar, you know, and, and find better stuff. So I just, from that moment on, I mean, I have a few songs in my catalog that are just, you know, written by Jessica Snyder. Um, but, um, you know, the majority of my stuff are all collaborations with, just dozens and dozens of brilliant so people you'd, now. You'd call yourself a, a musician or uh, you'd call yourself people. a drummer. If you were to pick your instrument, it's the drums. I love the drums. When, when I write, you know, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's a crazy thing to say, uh, you know, out loud, but I mean, it's just the truth. I mean, these days I channel like the songs just kind of like come into me. And uh, the biggest thing that's been coming into me for forever, my whole life was drums. I would just feel these drums in me and uh and i can play the drums reasonably well i'm just not like particularly trained uh so there's there's, like a lot of fundamental stuff that i can't do at all but um you know when i have to translate the rhythms and stuff that's usually the one thing that i'm best for and the most important thing because all the the melody writing really kind of falls apart if it's not supported by the rhythm that i heard in my mind so if i can't get the the rhythm that's underneath at the undercurrent of how it goes uh that's really like a big thing like i had a really hard time so so many of the original songs of baptized by fire which is my first band they're a lot more heavy metal than they were meant to be because they were meant to swing but my guitar player at the time omar he just like i guess he just never listened to any music like that so when i was trying to get him to do juggernaut is like (laughs) he was just like okay i got it too fast too fast he's like i'm like no 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 like he's like no swing swing it like so you know for for me and and that was like so much of like working with as many people as i did because it took a while to find the people who had the tools to mix genres because there were certain sort of like drumming approaches or whatever that were very you know unique to a certain thing and when people would do that different drumming thing would be like oh this song sounds so weird but i really want to be able to incorporate all those feels because it's just the different vibes that the drums give you the different tones that you can get from you know different keys different octaves uh you know 
I like wow. the dynamic, you know, to really give a lot of range in what people are experiencing. You know, bands like Faith No More, which is a really interesting rock band from the uh, 90s, were inspirations to me. Yeah. People who were doing interesting things like Rammstein or, uh, you know, Frank Zappa in certain ways, you know, just, just being able to give us something a little bit more unique sounding. So have you have you uh, done anything um, with your dad, uh, like uh, album-wise or anything? Have you recorded anything with him? Yeah, at this point, we've done plenty of, uh, of things together over the years. I mean, lots of performances together. I'm really proud. You can go online. Of, uh, there's a great performance with me and my father and my son, Grayson. Oh, wow. So you got three generations nighters singing I Want to Rock on stage. Um, it was for the Ultimate Jam Night for a friend of mine who passed away, David Z. Uh, and they do a, um, a fundraiser for him every year to raise money for um, for teaching kids music. Wow. And uh, that was a really cool one. It was funny when that experience happened, when we lost David, because David's got a brother, Paulie, who's a great friend of mine. And Paulie and David, I used to play with them in the clubs on Long Island in the East Coast, you know, in Long Island, Manhattan, whatever. And... Um, you know, they're brothers and they used to play together. And when David died, it was really heartbreaking because I wasn't going to get to see the brothers side by side. They used to have a little three piece band. It was just the two of them next. Year. It was just so like heartbroken. I was like, what you mean? No more ZO two. <laughs> they, they used to have this thing that they would do at the beginning of their concerts where they were it's really cheesy, but it was just charming and fun. And they would go, we are, Z-O-2. <laughs> and they would start their show and i was just like oh no you mean no more zo <laughs> like that's that's the worst that's so tragic so it was really cool for me and my dad to be able to go down i think it was the first um fundraiser they did for and uh and you know, in David's memory, perform. And I was just like, you know, any opportunity I get to play with my God, my dad, I got to take advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. So we've got to do that on TV too. Um, on my family's reality show, we got to perform a song together. How was that? The reality uh, show. Right. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that I've seen it. It's uh, growing up twisted, oh, right? It's really great. The rumor is that Gene Simmons got us canceled. <laughs> <laughs> too much competition, huh? <laughs> I, I don't put it past him, uh, but who gives a shit now? Yeah. Um, but well, this was uh, yeah, a was while ago, right? We, we had a great time doing it. Yeah, it was like at least a decade and, and change ago now that we did it. Um, but, uh, you know, pe people remember it fondly. I got a wonderful family and um, it was nice. You know, we all are producers. You know, we all work on, on stuff all the time. So, uh, you know, we were very much in cahoots with the producers to sort of figure out what the stuff to film would be big, but I mean, um, so they, there's a little bit of like, you know, creation there, but largely the creation was just sort of like organizing the things that we do do already, mm -hmm. um, all in like a few weeks so that we could shoot them. It was like, okay, cool. And can you schedule that around here? And Hey, Jesse, maybe oh, you I can suppose. do that. You know, do baptism. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, you know, but it was pretty much a real, look into our life and the things that people tend to think are were like we made up or whatever were actually totally legit the things that people think were legit were things that were fabricated which there were only a few things that were fabricated <laughs> but it's always funny to me everybody believes that that this guy would basically shortchange me and be like you don't deserve to be here you're just d snyder's son like and and but that was something that we set up with the producers 
because they knew that there was like you know at least some amount of of, of like bullshitters online who oh, would occasionally sure. be like yep 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 you know people have no perspective on on me as a a, a person or a musician so the reality is that's never happened to me in real life in in real life one i'm too genuine and nice of a person i, I think generally for anybody to think that that's a good way to approach me um because i really am generally pretty kind to everybody um so you know like to to take it there is just like to like why 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 are you going to be grumpy with the guy who's nice <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> if anybody really felt, felt that way i would usually be in cooperation with them if they went about it the nice way so i don't think anybody's ever had to be how many seasons was that on feel. what's up how many seasons was that on only one. Oh. Like I said, I, I think I, I think the Simmons uh, man uh, uh, got us torpedoed, and uh, we only lasted the you, one season. Uh, I, our, our ratings weren't great because they didn't promote us hugely, and um, the network was so in love with the show, and it was really good. I mean, it was a really like good, heartwarming show. I'm, I'm, we're proud of it. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I have people who still watch it. My daughter still watches it all the time. She loves. <laughs> I mean, it really is just my brothers are fucking hysterical. I mean, they're just both genuinely, naturally funny. And, uh, and my family's fun and we do interesting things and we stick together. We love each other. And like, you know, who doesn't want to see that? You know, what do your what do your other up, brothers do? Uh, well, my brother, Cody, he's a filmmaker, brilliant filmmaker. Um, him and uh, Shane actually wrote a short film called Fool's Day because Shane's a comedy writer and producer and a lot of things actually a puppeteer as well uh, he did a, a really cool puppeteer uh, puppet shakespeare show in uh, new york that got like a five-star review I wow. think, in uh, the new york play. and um and then cody uh he's made multiple short films that have run the the circuit uh one based on one of my comics and one that he wrote with shane uh called fool's day and that one really broke through big he won a lot of awards with the first one and then like even like 10 times as many with the second one uh, and became like the it director in Hollywood and has been uh, directing lots of uh, commercials and pilots and things like that. But uh, a feature version of his short film fool's day is in the pipeline uh, Miramax or Sin the new line. Maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm bad with names, but, um, but yeah, I'm really proud of him. Margot Robbie's attached and wow. they've just been trying to, their, their male lead for a little bit but the script's great and uh, my family's so talented my, my sister also she's in the fashion industry making like her own like individual uh you know pieces through instagram she's kind of like uh you know uh, an insta queen you know whatever you want to call <laughs> it and, uh, uh one of those you, big followers are you guys as tight uh as you uh lead to believe like are you still a pretty tight family oh absolutely i mean when it comes down to it we are as tight as can be uh at the same time practical you know practical reality gets in the way of that sometimes you know right now i'm in new york all by myself um you know uh, most of my siblings are in los angeles with you know a fiance and a girlfriend and you know getting different things together for themselves and then my parents have been in belize although they're back visiting the states right now uh but they've been in belize for like the past five six months so they living um, down there uh, yeah they have a a home there a beautiful home there that's really like the snyder family estate you know like where when it's not being used i can go down there it's a beautiful place my mom my mom is really she's the most talented of all the snyder um family members uh and i think everybody in the family would agree and uh 
she has just made wherever we live, you know, every Christmas, you know, just like the most beautiful thing. I was just like, our home is just always so beautiful. And she helped them design the home that they built for themselves in Belize. And wow. it is just gorgeous and fit for like, you know, a good like three families can like comfortably hang out there and just a pool right on the beach and Man. volleyball. And just, it's wonderful. Is, is I mean, Belize it really all it's cracked up to be? Um, the uh, Belize? Yeah. I mean, for, for my dad, um, you know, there, the areas of Belize that people are usually associated with, that's not where they are. Uh, they're at a place called like Palo Santo or something like that. Uh, I might be getting the name wrong. But um, it's really off the beaten path. And it's amazing. My dad's had friends go down there and they say, you're like a different guy. What What is this? And what it is is nobody knows who he is. And he, <laughs> lo- yeah. he loves it. He just loves that he's, he's anonymous. You know, they yeah. don't know. And, it, and like, there's like one person on the island who knows who he is, but annoys him. Like there's a few people who have an awareness, but they're, they're cool. And he's got like, you know, the, the right friends, but there's like one person and all of his other friends on the island are always trying to like, oh shit, Steve's coming. <laughs> Get me out of here. He's going to make him uncomfortable. You know, that's the only guy who throws my dad's energy off. But it's amazing. He's been writing out there. You know, he's a great writer and he's been wanting for years. He's really wanted to change over into screenwriting. And he's had various little bits of success here or there. And he's just been feeling more motivated than ever that like, you know, I, I love being a musician and I did that though. And I, right. I want to write. I'm like, right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old man and I want to, I want to sit and write some books. Wow, so he's, cool. uh, you know, like, but I mean, like, but he's feeling that like genuinely like, you know, like I've, I've done that stuff and I, I kind of would really like to chill and, and be creative and I'm proud of him. He's, he's been writing some cool stuff. Oh, that's cool. Doing an interview. I have four children of my own now. Wow. What's the age ranges? 11 year old who's knocking on my door right now. Uh, three year old, my other daughter, who's my youngest, she's about to be four I'm trying to get her to stop aging. And, uh, and the two boys in the middle, six and, uh, it goes and fast or five and eight. Yeah, it does. I mean, like on one hand, I'm kind of like, grow up so you can be my best friends. And then on the other hand, I'm like, slow down. Oh, then you just feel it. old. Mine are all, old. well, I'm mine. I've got a 14, a 19, a 20 and a 29. And it's like, just poof, you know, one minute they're 11. Next minute they're looking for car keys. It's crazy. Yeah. Are you, are you, uh, you have them there by yourself all the time? Oh no! Right now, I'm uh, my uh, my ex wife uh, Patty's at work right now, so I'm oh. hanging with the kids. Gotcha. Work and uh, you know, and then she has the kids. You know, when I'm working, and I actually like <clears throat> I kind of like moved to uh, back to New York in like a stumble, and um, and have had to you know initially like make my initial living situation plans that then changed, and then I found myself just kind of wanting to find a place really close to my kids. And not being able to find a spot. So I've been kind of held up with a couple of friends and then just like, um, I have to, I'm with my kids so often. So I'm, I'm at my, my ex-wife's house a lot and we, we're still good friends. Thank God. Wow. No doubt. Four kids. That's a handful. So, so yeah. moving on, what, um, now you're, now, now we're talking comics. Now you're in the comic books. What, uh, how did this come about? And, and I mean, wow, it's, it's. I've got some friends who are into comic books, man. It's next level stuff. People are serious about it. How did you, how did you find that that was, uh, you know, something you, you could do and, and, and excel at? 
Well, it's interesting. You know, you really unlocked uh, a deeper answer than I've ever given on this. But, um, you know, largely I would credit so much of my desire to write stories um, to uh, role-playing games. I used to play uh, D&D occasionally. Oh, sure. Uh, but I used to play a game called Riffs uh, all the time. Uh, a really, really fun game. That's like a post-apocalyptic Earth, uh, a post-apocalyptic Earth that has like high technology and magic combined. I'm doing an interview, honey. I'll be done in a little bit. <laughs> uh, and um, ask your sister. I told her she has to help you while I interview. Um, but um, it was. It's really the great. It should be added to the curriculum of every school, because what role-playing games teach you, and I'm, I mean like um, pen and paper, dice role-playing games your traditional uh kind of games it just teaches you uh problem solving um you're given a a list of skills this is your character this is what they do these are the the powers or abilities they might have or the skills that they might have collected and then the person who you're playing with the gm the game master or dungeon master whatever he gives you the parameters in which you're under here's your circumstance you're hanging from a cliff all right i got a rope on my belt i grab it and i lasso the thing because i have the lasso skill you know um, but within the context of this very simple sort of thing, you know, it's I'm turning into something juvenile, um, is a lot of very, very high-level decision-making. Quick, there's a decision that needs to be made. What am I going to do? What's the best thing to do? And that is just the greatest for every mind on the planet, to be given an excuse, to make a jumble of decisions, to be given, you know, like sort of like, here are your assets. What can you do with them? Yeah. And that. Um, is the miracle of the role-playing game. And as I um, got really just excited about like so many of those concepts and interested in like being my own GM and like writing these stories, I started kind of working on a book. Well, first I wrote a short story. I wrote a short story called Remember Me Dragon. It's this really kind of dope short story about this dude coming to like fight this dragon that had like killed his whole family and killed him and he was just sort of like you remember me like the guy's like nope <laughs> i don't remember you at all you're one of many that i've murdered um and it was just like this cool kind of cliffhanger <clears throat> it was based on an image that i saw that i really liked of this dragon about to get this guy and he's just standing his ground with the sword and you just don't know like does he kill the dragon does he not kill the dragon it's you, you know create your own ending but that short story really excited me about writing stories and um uh i eventually was like i had this whole idea for this book called the survivor and i wrote the first chapter and then i wrote the second chapter and then i just got stuck it's like stuck like i couldn't i didn't know how to proceed forward and i was like ah oh, damn it <laughs> and uh, and then somewhere along that way i read somewhere that they said you know if you want to be a writer you should write what you read and then it dawned on me that the one thing I read was comic books. I really like I read I read books, but not like I wasn't a huge book reader. I was like I would get through a few books a year kind of thing. Yeah. Not like some people. I wasn't somebody who was like I love books, man, you know. I was somebody who was occasionally reading some books. Uh, and largely it was because I felt like it was good medicine. You know, you should read some books kind of thing and I would force myself to read books. But I loved comic books. Mm. And in particular um savage dragon was like the one book that i read regularly and eric larson the creator of the savage dragon he loves comic books 
like he just loves the medium as an art form, you know, in such a high level respect for the pillars of the artistic community, the people who built the world of comic books and made Batman what he is and Spider-Man what he is. And, and, uh, his love of comic books, like reading his letters column and because I used to read that book just back to back everything. I just like, I was so upset. I read, I read the first 75 issues of that comic book. I must've read at least a dozen times each, every one of them. And, um, I, when I started kind of thinking about that, I, not only did I realize that, you know, like comic books was the thing for me to write, but that, um, I really kind of actually had a pretty good understanding about them and about, you know, loving them the right way and treating them the right way, not just being a writer who's going to write comic books, but being somebody who was going to honor the comic books because my favorite comic book was written and drawn by an artist, you know, and, and so he was always speaking of the medium from an artistic standpoint, you know, as somebody who was drawing the right things to do, the wrong things to do, the way to make a great comic book. And he was really, he is really great himself at like, you know, just the standards of a great comic book, ending on a great last page, great cliffhangers, seeding storylines for through time, really just engaging with your audience in a great way and making sure that you're always like playing with the page turn so that the page turn, you could shock people. And, um, and because of that great love that I had from Eric Larson, I think I was really, really that much better at doing it. And also I wanted to be an artist originally. I switched into writing somewhere along the way because I had a teacher who I didn't really like. So I became a, like a graphic artist and like, I still do graphic design on like Photoshop and stuff like that. Um, but, um, I uh, be, I was art minded myself, and then I I was really more into it for the writing. But then I had like a, a teacher, you know, that I studied who was the perfect lesson, and that just brought me to a place of always being really in cooperation with the people that I work with. And I think it's allowed me to make some great work. But you know, that was it. And I would say, you know, comic books came from my dad. My dad was a huge comic book guy, really? not as big as I became, but he read comic books big time. Um, but he was always like, he, like he had a really difficult time selling his collection because he had all these holes. Like he wasn't like committed to going to the store every Wednesday. Oh, you know, okay. That was me. I worked at comic book stores. I was a Wednesday warrior. New comics are out at the store, you know, and I do that again now, you know, I, I just started reading again recently think, and I don't mm. read that many books, but like every, every week I go to the comic book shop and I pick up you think a couple that, books. That, uh, the comic books are going to die off because nobody you know, just that whole printed medium is just kind of going away. Newspapers, real books. I don't want to say going away, but, you know, everybody's going to electronic, you know, put it on a Kindle or put it on an iPad or, and can you get the same I effect of a so. comic book if you're electronic? Yeah. You know, I don't think so. Not, not for me at least, because I think what's coming back and if it's not already back, it, it will be coming back with a vengeance is community. And, um, you know, to get together, you know, the way I, I want to approach so many of the things that I'm doing in the future is, you know, concerts connected to comic conventions. And, you know, at the convention, you know, it it's awesome to have a physical thing to get signed and yeah. have be able to pick up, you know, the cover that was only available for the people who went down to that show and saw you guys in person and like you know that stuff means something at a certain level so like you know right now i'm working on this anthology magazine that's going to be uh one part like a heavy metal magazine where it's you know comic books and but we'll also do photo things and poetry if you know if we find somebody who's great um and then a lot of articles that are on the craft the different artistic craft but 
very well-rounded, all different sorts of pursuits. And then articles on the love of the craft, uh, you know, where we can find great movies that nobody's talking about, great music nobody's talking about. There's so much underground things going on now. And um, uh, there are people who know. And I'm just trying to collect like a whole bunch of these people so that we can, you know, get out the information. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking of it like a website, but really in my heart, it's a magazine and I'm going to print it and we're going to print it in cool little chic ways. That'll be fun. Cause I really do believe that that physical something means something. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if there's any merit to the idea of grabbing a crystal and there being some resonance in a crystal, then there's resonance in a, a book. There's resonance in all of the, the printed word and, and, and all the things that's there. And, I, and I'm somebody who believes, you know, spiritually like that. And I believe that thing, you know, holding many pages of art in yeah. your hand. You know, it's, it's one thing to be able to slip through the phone. Oh, yes, I've got an infinite thing of art. But to actually have this special item that contains the physical experience... I don't know. I, I believe in that. I don't feel like that's going away. And then I'm somebody who really loves toys and whatnot, but I don't think I'm, I'm different. I do think that when it's the right item, people leave the band's concert that they want with something, you oh, know, maybe sure. it's not a CD, well, and, but they and, leave with, and I, to leave with I something of right. value that you know, if you may approach it that way. And like, you know, I want to make sure every copy of the magazine has a poster in the center, you know, things like that. Old they school. Give so much value. Yeah. It, it, and, and like we've lost that, you know, like where it's just a nice communication with the community of people who love art and and uh, a smile on our faces because we're so grateful we have it. So what do you uh, – well, number one, how's the collection? What 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 uh, what kind of a pile of comic books have you amassed over the years? Well, I got rid of my, um, my original collection long ago other than – I have two long boxes filled with just some of my absolute favorite things, favorite graphic novels, some books that I got signed, all the issues of Savage Dragon, you know, like I said, it was one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, a few different special books, you know, signed by some of my heroes, you know, which are all like just really great writers. Most yeah. of them, I'm, you know. I'm a writer. I appreciate really great writers. And, uh, you know, so I have a lot of prized kind of possessions. You know, I have a, a signed Stanley uh, Marvel annual report from the years that I had uh, a stock in Marvel before they went bankrupt and some things like that that nice. are just cool items. And then just a few things that are just books that I love that I can read over and over and over again that are like the best comics. Uh, a lot of these, I've kind of like my, my long boxes have gotten less full because I'll pull them out and I'll be like, oh, take this. And then I never get it back. Um, <laughs> but uh, Batman, The Long Halloween, which is like the, the book that got me into Batman in the first place. It's like such a great comic book. Um, there's so much, man. The comic book medium is just amazing. It's just, it's just rife with so much beauty and so many great creators doing great collaborative works. Um, and uh, there's just, gems and gems and then the the also just the the process of comic books like th th this is interesting i don't think i've ever said this in an interview but it's very very powerful and profound you know to me you know as a child i've, I've just always been an idealist and an altruist and when i looked around the world i was just sort of like you know what's what's the deal man like where is the process that is slowly weeding out the wrong answers and getting the right answers and bringing us to a better place you know cuz it's like even if you know like people could say like oh well everything's partisan not everything's partisan you know republicans you want to breathe fresh air 
Yeah. Democrats, you want to breathe some fresh air? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's clean the air. You know, right. like, like, so like, where, where is the system that's just going, well, we're not arguing about this and we're not arguing about that. You know, like there should be some mechanism that's forward moving and always constantly improving the system. Right. But it's not this, but it exists in comic books. And it's such an interesting thing because these characters within Marvel and DC, and there are other companies who have now gone on to have a similar model where they own some of this intellectual property and various creators are brought in to put their creative stamp on it. And over the years, what has been created, the tapestry of things that have been created, where in order to properly thank the creators of Batman, you have to thank like two dozen people to really like appreciate the fullness and like really the films have not done justice yet to what is in the comics. This rich tapestry of creation that is there. And there are so many people responsible. It's just, and then this guy came in and he looked at what the other guy did and he was like, all right, let's get rid of this and let's amplify this and let's add to this and add to this. And just, they keep making it better. And that is the glory of the comic book medium. And even in a, a, a continued metaphor, the artists themselves talk about in the Renaissance, these mother effers weren't forced to be cranking out seven pages a week for, you know, Marvel slave masters <laughs> who need an issue every single month. Right. Nobody draws as much as these artists of these past, you know, almost a century now have been drawing. They have been drawing daily, perfecting the craft. And you know that thing where it's like the five-minute mile, once that, that, that bar was broken, like then there was more people who could do it. What you could do yesterday as far as detail and things, you know, like, it's like, I mean, some of these guys take two months and they're doing what, you know, but some of these guys are doing a monthly book with detail, the likes of which nobody ever thought possible Man. but because of the previous guys who proved how to do it and refined their techniques and taught the previous techniques and these guys were studying them from a young age and it's just it's beautiful i i just find comic books to just be the richest artistic medium on the planet Man. because you can see it you, you know? love you can just your comic right books <laughs> you're a fan i love, it. <laughs> I love comic books and, and i really just want to see the day where they're appreciated as much as they should because yeah. just the 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 power of of, of art and, and of being able to see into another person's perspective and see the world a little bit the way they see it through their art i, I just see so much value in so it you, and you've uh, got your own though right Oh, yeah. Well, I produced my own now. You know, like the, the album Blacklight District, uh, we produced a whole comic book for Image Comics and uh, ended up putting it out. Uh, but my company, Blacklight District Studios, you know, we made the music and produced the comic book. And we're working on our own little anthology, like I was talking about, called Blacklight District Magazine. Or uh, as of now, it's called that until I decide that I'm going to change the, month, change the name. But uh, I've just been like, putting together how i'm gonna do this stuff for a little while but i produce comic books for uh, my friends at four horsemen studios who um who are the greatest toy sculptors in the business they've got their own line of toys called mythic legions and i was really happy to produce um you know some content for them you know to give the story to uh their figures oh nice and we got greg who's the producer and writer of Disney's Gargoyles and Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars, and he, he did the the basic baseline for it. So one day they can maybe do an animated series based on it, which would be cool. 
Uh, and I've written for Marvel, I've written for DC and Disney and Pixar and the Muppets and lots of different stuff. But uh, it all frustrated me in different ways. Um, I was always just feeling like I wasn't able to make my best work because the system was getting in the way. Uh, and even like recently, I was trying to do a bunch of short form uh, stories for Heavy Metal Magazine. And I was putting together all these great teams for them and stuff. And I literally had one of the editors um, who I met for the first time at New York Comic Con when I was signing for the first issue of uh, Heavy Metal's uh humor magazine called softwood and uh, so softwood number one i have a story in there with my buddy steve kurth called food fight which is really great and um and she was like complimenting me on how i had put together all these great teams and she wasn't having to do so much work and i'm just like you know months are going by and like nothing's happening and i was get, i was so excited about doing all these short form things with all my different like friends of mine that i had who i wanted to work with and people who liked me and you know like my vibe and you know i was just kind of like all right what do, we, what do we want to do what's fun right and uh, all this great stuff and i'm like you want? If you're not going to do it, I'm just going to do it myself. So that's where you know where I've been at recently. But um, I'm getting ready to actually pitch um, Marvel on so, uh, on on something. I, I got a really good idea. I've been sitting on for a while, and uh, I just started talking to my buddy about it this morning. And I think I'm going to uh, throw my hat back into the ring. Nice, nice. Because right now you're primarily doing. Well, and if, if that's not enough, the comic books and the music, you're doing a lot of voiceover stuff too, right? Yeah, well, voiceovers have been a very um, a consistent bit of my life. You know, I started hosting. Uh, I was hired out of college by MTV at, uh, I guess, 19. And um, and I spent, like, the first, like, five years of my professional music, musical career and comic book career hosting shows um, for MTV and uh, AOL. And But I had long hair. I was, like, very much like a sore thumb kind of rock and roll guy. So at a certain point... I kind of ran out of places like all the casting people knew who I was if they needed me, like, you know, jobs were, were plenty. Um, and uh, I decided to go to the voiceovers and I went behind the scenes and that became my biggest thing. Like I I'm probably one of the most prolific voiceover actors in my age range. Um, just from the sheer types of jobs that I have done and the range of jobs that I've done. Cause I've worked in every area of the field you know like even doing some video games but i've done like really high profile ones like call of duty and final fantasy and uh you know i was up for a lead in one of the disney a disney animated series that still hasn't been produced but if i know disney it's still on hold and a possibility for the future one day because they take <laughs> forever to move these things Make forward decision, sometimes. Yeah. um and you know and i did, did a bunch of animated type stuff and a few little bit of acting things here and there um i prefer being behind the scenes is, is is really the thing i mean that's why so much of my music going behind the scenes and making music for movies like appeal to me yeah um what is I your like what is your, your favorite genre then the, in the voiceover world favorite? your favorite genre in the voiceover world what do you like doing best narrating and uh and i'm really proud to say that i've um I hit my 175th episode of um, of Food Paradise. Wow! 149 episodes, my lucky number with um, my great friends at O'Malley Productions. Uh, we've been doing it for like six years now, um, and uh, we just had sort of a big break because the show kind of moved around. We were on Travel Channel, we got moved to Cooking Network or Cooking Channel, and then now we're on Cooking Channel and Food Network. And Food Network is where we belong um yeah food network's like the big 
one. And we've been actually showing up in the ratings, like our new episodes of the last season that we just recorded, um, which like, took a while for them to air. But um, but I think another season of uh, Food Paradise will be on its way shortly, uh, I'm happy to say, which I love doing that show. And how, narrating, how, really, that's my favorite. I, I like to impart information. How, do, how does that work then? They, they record it all and then you go over the top of it? Like, I don't know that side yeah. of the business. Our, our show is a little bit different than a lot of these shows because they tend not to have very much intermixing with the narrator. The narrator is kind of like this disembodied voice, not present in the establishment kind of thing. But the way we do it, I'm way more, I'm way more of a presence, uh, which is why it's such a fun show and why I think people really enjoy Food Paradise. If you've ever seen it, it's, it's really just enjoyable. You know, it's a lot of silly terrible jokes but i know they're terrible and i deliver them in fun ways and you know it's just a lot of fun you know really it's like oh man good food and goofing off and enjoying some food and we have such a good time doing it our writers are really great crafty and you know good with the turn of phrase and i'm good at you know turning a phrase and uh and we just have a, a nice collaborative thing where from the get-go they kind of saw ways to kind of get me to be able to interact with the chefs and for them to be able to sort of shoot their stuff so that it still kind of seems like they're talking to me and i'm talking to them and uh so our show has that feel of like a more direct connection than like it feels more like a hosted show than it feels like a narrated show okay uh, which is really cool it makes our, our show really special but in general you know just I used to work for Smithsonian Channel a lot. I was like their young voice. I did a show that I loved doing called Trashopolis. I did a few seasons of that. And um, and uh, another show called Museum Secrets, which I really enjoyed. Um, and, you know, that's really my favorite, imparting cool information to people and uh, opening their minds to all the cool, you know, stuff that's out there. It's yeah. like, do you hear this story? Like, you know, I'm, I'm very much you know we're kind of taught in america a little bit of like a close your mind to other cultures kind of thing like oh they're all high on peyote or something um but um i've come to really disagree with that and and really be much more open to the grander consensus of things and uh and there's just so much interesting things to know in the world you know interesting possibilities so being a part of Passing on information that I think is interesting is really cool. I've got a show that I'm attached to right now called Phantom Time, and it's all about how a major um, ruler, king, back in the day, um, rewrote history and got away with it. And uh, and this mathematician kind of figured it out. Really? <laughs> and uh, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> it's, 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 it's my, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to be a part of this documentary. Literally right now, the thing that's hanging up Science Channel from picking it up is, is it too legit? Like, Oh, really? It's very hard. This It's easy to argue with like ancient aliens. So it's like, oh, it's just some fun we're having. Bigfoot, oh, fun. This is like, yo, look what happened. We need to change. <laughs> like, stuff is real. <laughs> like, wow. But it's cool. I hope they but you got yeah. it all put together. They're just you're just waiting to get it uh, greenlit. Yeah, their their pitch reel was great. I did I did the voiceover for it. You know, just like I think for free. You know, just to help them out um, so that they could go pitch it. Um, or I don't know, maybe they paid me a little bit, but I don't think I would have I would have charged them normal prices or anything for right, right. you know for a future uh, future gig. I think I was just helping them. Um, so I, I can't remember cause some of my other friends will, you know, pay me for similarly, but you know, they'll just throw me a little bread cause you know, they, 
they appreciate that I'm <laughs> what I do is <laughs> has some real value to it. Yeah, uh, right, right. Other other people, it's like I know they don't have the money, so I'm not asking them for money to you know to do whatever. I'd, I'd rather just see them succeed, and maybe I get an opportunity at a job. You know, yeah, for better. sure. That yeah, that's a that's a key to the to, to business is knowing when to when to press and when not to press. Because uh, I've run into that a little myself. I uh, I know we had talked about it uh, last time we spoke. Uh, you know, I've been in the business now for a little while and and still fledgling, but uh, it's always interesting to hear when someone's uh, excelling at it and uh, you know and knocking it down. So that's cool. You uh, you've been at it for a while, haven't you? Yeah, a long time. Um, yeah, a long time. <laughs> Nineteen, yeah, in a world <laughs> for Cybertron. Um, yeah, uh, want more teas? Get America's favorite pizza, Pizza Hut, now <laughs> online. That was my first like big one. Oh yeah, and I was the voice of Stop, and I was the voice of Cheetos, and so I mean, everybody knows my voice, whether they know it or not. And then for a very long time, for like four and a half years, I was the voice of Kia Motors. It's uh, Buying a Kia is one smart move. It's sure. <laughs> I, I've been having psychic premonitions that they're going to bring me back for Kia. I hope it's true. Kia's coming back. Uh, we'll see what happens coming back. But uh, but yeah, the commercials are great just because they are they pay the bills really great. I mean, really, there's just some good union deals for some of these TV commercials that still exist. And if you get on one of these big campaigns, you know, like from McDonald's, or Burger King or, you know, gas stations, whatever else it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big gig. I mean, there's only so many of those gigs yeah. and that's really, you know, I could probably be considered one of the more prolific uh, voiceover guys in, um, you know, in my age demographic, just because I've worked with every major company um, on many of which at long length, um, and then, you know, plenty for a you know, little here, a little there, a little there. I mean, like, it's really, it's crazy. I sent my resume. I'm like, I have a part-time job at a spiritual shop, largely because I wanted to study um, all these things, stones and stuff like that, that I like. So, and I was looking for a part-time job, so it drew me to it. But I sent her my resume because, you know, she asked for a resume. And I'm like, I, you know, I didn't want to not send you anything, but this is my resume. It doesn't really <laughs> apply. And she literally thought I was making it up. And she's like, because it's just like three pages of just, ridiculous crap i've done i mean just like i mean like my voiceover list just goes on for days i mean different names of tv shows different names of television networks many of which no longer exist uh you know different um uh, names of brands and products and um just just one after another and then different video games and She's wanted to know so why you want a 12 dollar an hour part-time job at the at the uh shop (laughs) Yeah, it, well, exactly. And then it's like, and writer of these Marvel comics and these DC comics and these <laughs> Disney productions. You're actually overqualified. And yeah. And then host of these shows for these networks and host of these online internet program shows, host of these radio programs, host of these podcast programs, host of. Did you get the job? Uh, host of live events. You know. Did you get it? Just over and over. Did you get the job? <laughs> Oh yeah, I did actually. She, she, I, I said to her when she was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm not gonna do it." And I was like, "Oh, that's such a bummer." I was like, "It really was like resonating with me." I'm like, "I, I, I hope maybe you reconsider." <laughs> and if you, if you do, um, you know, let me know because I, I really, I really could use a part time job right now. And and this was just 
so perfect. Did you give her your Did and, you give uh, her your agent's number and, then? Call my contact my agent or my manager if uh, this is going to work out. <laughs> no, I mean it was really low key, but I just didn't have anything else to send her. You know, like maybe I should have just like I don't know. I felt like if I didn't send that, what do I send? Like I don't like uh, former florist, Seven Eleven employee. <laughs> um telemarketer like you know like a bunch of jobs from like when i was a teenager um you you know i've just been on on this journey doing all sorts of things and um but she did she was like all right you know we'll sit we'll talk and then uh and it was great actually we had like this great spiritual conversation and uh yeah i love my job it's it's like it's super super chill job and uh, my boss is actually she's been going through chemotherapy have a lot of health problems and i've been been, like feeling good because i feel like i bring have in my life been made to feel like I was a good uh, a good vibe for sick people and uh, when people were dealing with things that were hurting them that that I helped and so I like that I'm there and uh, and I've learned so much about just stones and uh, and, and actually like essential oils and just so many so many different things. Um, when you got to meet a lot of interesting people, people, right? Oh yeah, I mean, made, 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 made tons of the types of friends that I would really like to have living back on long island now and not really having a lot of friends out here because i just moved out i lived in la for 10 years so it's actually it was just perfect because i was just like you know i just want to do like a little something so i know i've got like a a baseline bit of consistency because with the covid especially it was just like extra intermittent and you know now with you know with divorce of like two you know two rents that you know i'm trying to like be able to pay and uh you know granted i fortunately i have my wife uh you know my ex-wife helping me um to you know co- cover things but just trying to get all these things stable and you know a comic book store would have been what i wanted as a child and as a you know now somebody who's been uh, following what you would call the plant medicine path you know uh walking the path of the shaman and working with plant medicine like uh, psilocybin or ayahuasca uh, which is very serious business not like you know i'm a drug addict you know working with you know plants and communing with spirits the way uh you know the native americans have talked about in the past um you know that's been the store that i like to go to and i feel good in is a spiritual shop and i've wanted to learn about stones very badly for a long time but i'm very sensitive to energy and i actually feel energy coming off stones and if i go in a room with like a crap load of stones all i just i just feel like all sorts of things. Really? So actually being able to be there and like sit with stones and leave with some, like my boss would let me leave. Like, so I like, I check them out like books <laughs> and I like, I'll work with the stones and I'll work with the vibrations and like feel it out. Cause it's all just like working on your sensitivity to uh, electrical fields, which is just, you know, something that you can do. You just have to expose yourself to the electrical fields of different things and you'll start to go, okay, that feels like that. That feels like this. And uh, it's very interesting because it all ties into everything that I do into music, you know, music and frequency in music. You know, there's only so much frequency that we can hear. Eventually you get too low to hear, eventually you get too high to hear. Um, but in the middle is this sweet spot and we are instruments. We make sound through our bodies and everything in the universe is harmonizing and, uh, you know, just based on harmonics and sort of, you know, vibration. And uh, so many of the, you know, most brilliant men on the planet, you know, scientists, you know, said all is vibration, all is sound. Uh, and um, understanding the vibrations of the universe, the baseline sacred geometry that forms all things, because all these rocks, they're formed from the sacred geom- geometry of, of, of the universe, which is just based on the five platonic solids. There's only so many, you know, kind of baseline shapes that make up everything. 
And um, when you get down to it, there's just very simple meanings for this stuff. And uh, as human beings, we've complicated things with language and description, but so much of our language is just degrees of things. Um, and there's a lot of like pure truths to shapes and sound and color. And, and that's the, the language that these shaman have been you know, trying to commune with for a long time or with like, you know, if you're like a Christian person when you're having like a, uh, one of those experiences, I've been saved by Christ. I've seen the light, you know, they're connecting to this, this source of sort of simple information. And I really do believe that if we learn that stuff, that we can get to, um, to a better place, a better place of uh, building better, you know, technology and tools and finding better ways to govern ourselves and better ways to heal our minds through, you know, better psychiatry and better medicine. And uh, I, I just really want to know, and I believe that it's out there. So learning about nutrition, learning about alternative medicine, and uh, that was my path to healing my body. I, I suffered from chronic pain from the age of 30 to kind of just recently. I'm finally getting off over the chronicness of it. Uh, and now you know, I have intermittent things that are bothering me, but it's not chronic anymore. And that chronic pain journey, because I really didn't like so many of the answers that the medical field was giving me, which was like painkillers and and medicines for different things. Um, you know, I just had to start studying my health and uh, studying my nutrition and what I was eating and, and so many different things. Um, and then and then acupuncture and acupressure and uh, different sports medicine from there's all different types of massage. There's all different types of chiropractic. There's osteopaths and and each one of them does different things and has merit. And it really takes a while. So go down that road and learn what you need to learn. But I was able to save myself and uh, unlock the problems that I had in my body, which came from being hit by a car when I was 11. And a lot of them, I came to find out so much of it was my emotional state, the things that I learned from these experiences, which caused me to sort of make some changes that became physical in my body. And that's wow. what you learn on the spiritual journey to health is that your physical health is just sort of a manifestation of stuff that you got going on on the inside that isn't exactly jiving with you. And the only way for it to sort of reality to unfold is sort of to give you a physical symptom of what is happening. Wow. And based on the subtle energy of what it is that you're having a difficulty with, that will be the form that it'll take. Like, you know how, like, when they're like, choose the form of your death in Ghostbusters, and he's like, I, I just, it slipped in there. I thought about the state of Marshmallow Man. <laughs> you know, whatever. We, we are subtly, through the choices and traumas that we're deciding to take on, making ourselves sick. And then the thing will sort of keep plaguing us until we can unwrap the emotional problem that's associated with it. And that's kind of the big disconnect between the modern medicine and the, uh, you know, ancient medicine, you know, Eastern medicine that we don't have the component of, Hey, you have to mentally fix this as well. Like, you know, you have to try to figure out why you did this to yourself, you know, because it's, there's a, there's a conscious and relatively intelligent reason. And when you get to the bottom of that, that's like, you know, people go to Peru and have ayahuasca and they, you know, get over their alcoholism. But it's because Mother Ayahuasca, the spirit of that plant, helps guide them to the lessons they need to learn to discover why they're doing that to themselves. And that's the thing. All of these sicknesses we have, it's just like, why am I doing this to myself? So what are you and saying? Like, you know, for me, 
it was learning to take care of myself. So what you're saying is that being a rock star, a comic book writer, and a successful voiceover person didn't teach you anything but a $12 an hour job at a spiritual store has led you down this path. <laughs> is that what we're saying? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, I couldn't have said it better myself. I've got an amazing <laughs> resume, but this $12 an hour job changed my life. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, this This has just been kind of the kicker. See, the, the really actually super cool thing about the spiritual store job, and and this I kind of saw trusting my gut as it came up, I suspected that there was a possibility. I've been really wanting to teach uh, spiritual uh, stuff for a while. And um, uh, I didn't know it for certain, but our store has a wonderful back room where they do yoga. They'll sometimes have different people, uh, you know, different types of uh, energy healers and, uh, you know, sound healing and, and really cool stuff that, you know, has, has a lot of merit in reality once you look at this stuff and understand the basic principles of what they're trying to achieve. Uh, you know, like with the sound healing, you know, hitting a certain nice firm bang of a real good octave you know there's there is power to that these these things are, are worthwhile so with the space she has in the back i have an opportunity to go and start doing some of the things that i want to do some of them being music related where i want to teach people how to sing how to write their own songs because i believe that people can write their own mantras that can really empower them in their daily life and it's simple and easy to write songs uh and i have like some real good messaging and some good examples of things that you can take with you and that's one thing that i'd like to do and right now i'm studying to get my herbal uh my herbalist license um with my buddy jack stannis who's an herbalist he's a real young guy uh who had like a very similar spiritual awakening to me with the plants and um as uh, you know he's been a practicing herbalist for like three years now and uh it took me out to the woods and just got me super hyped up on all these things that i had, was already kind of learning in books and experiencing myself on the plant medicine path and um and I just was like, wait a second, getting my herbalist license just means I have to go out into the woods and learn about the plants like by like being in the woods, learning about the plants. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And I was like, that sounds like fun. I'm like, yeah. I'm totally into this. I can take my kids out to the woods with me and all I really have to do, like, I mean, I, I'm getting like the, the stuff so that I can get the thing. But um, uh, to be an herbalist, you know, to be able to say that, oh, yeah, I'm an herbalist, you know, and, and, and that I have, you know, that um, – license or degree, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, I think will just give more uh, credence to, uh, you know, my work with the, the spiritual medicines, because the plants have a lot to offer us. Um, you know, we, things are here on this planet are a lot more complex than we've, uh, you know, our modern American thought gives it credit for. And so much of the spiritual like conversation has been a very religious conversation for a long time. And the religious conversation is kind of framed what's actually going on on the spiritual side of things in all these very, I don't know, cult-like kind of ways. Um, you know, like where like people are drinking the Kool-Aid, no, oh, you must be saved. And like, um, and losing the real message of, you know, the other side, which is just oneness. And you know, what we all are drops from the same ocean and, um, you know, it behooves us to come together. Uh, because, you know, we are one and, uh, you know, what upsets you upsets me. And whether I know that right now in this moment, that is the message of the other side of like, these things are ripples. You know, you want to make peace with your fellow man. You want to love your fellow man and, and all we, of the, we could use a little bit of that right now. Yeah, we do. We do whole, so bad. Uh, and whole... I just posted something like that the other day. It was a thing of like, 
do no harm to the others. It was like, do what thou wilt, but don't, don't hurt anybody else. You know, do, do uh, or no, no, it was, it was like a dozen different religions saying, um, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Nice. A wow. dozen religions. And Same I'm in, thing. uh, do unto you. I'm in Minnesota. So, you know, we're the, uh, we're the epicenter of problems right now. Yeah, we really are. And it, and it's so much of it is really loud, angry, kind of mean-spirited conversation, lots of bullying. And it's funny, too, because it's a lot of, like, the bullied becoming the bully. But as they say, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of people out there, and right now they're, you know, kind of raging. Um, right. But uh, I really believe that there are so many more level heads in this wonderful nation of ours, and that the level heads are going to prevail, you know, and we're not going to, you know, maybe some of us have our hands on our pistols, but they're going to stay in the holsters. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we're... You know, we're going to we're going to wait because we don't want things to descend into a nightmare. Ugh. Sure. Of course. Of course. It already has. Do we want that to happen? No, we don't. Let's not do that. We don't have to. It's crazy. We know, we, there, there, there's enough wise ones here for us <clears> to not descend into madness because of a few assholes. And I, I really do feel like, you know, across the board, like, you know, not everyone is bad in the government. Many of them are, um, you know, but not, and, and, and the, the, you know, in every neighborhood, there are good people. In every, so this is it. In every good neighborhood, there are bad people. And in every bad neighborhood, there are good people. And that's what we have to remember. And we just have to keep searching out our good people knowing that they exist everywhere there are good people in the muslims and there are you know good people in the christians and there are good people it doesn't matter who you might think is not a good group you know the kkk has members who are going i don't know about this whole ideology <laughs> uh, you know that's what we mean. like like it's true because yeah. like you like we, we have like this thing is like the kkk they're all these evil blood they're, they're all these misguided people Right. Who have found their energy, you know, put their energy into this thing. You know, so much of what's drawing them to the KKK is unity and brotherhood and love and yeah. coming together on a thing. It just so happens that they're focused on something that's really not so great. Right. And, you know, when that manifests itself into other things, that's awful. But you know what? The fundamentals of why they wanted to in the first place proves that they've got humanity in them to begin with. Right. Trying to connect with the other pieces of humanity that they feel close to. So. And, and when you're dealing with stuff that's such moral, ambiguous, thing, people are people and people are always struggling over different things. Yeah, some people are caught up in the thing and they're, you know, you don't want to call them a psychopath or whatever. At a moment's time, you know, they might be just driven and they're not thinking and they're not being conscious. Well, people are so quick but I to react. That people are conscious more than they're not and that people are being driven to consciousness when they're in those situations driven to see the light and the error in their ways you know if there's anything that i've learned it is that there is just an energy that is very simple and very intelligent that feels all of us and is essentially just feeling the pattern of everything and because it feels this great pattern this web that all of our consciousness makes it's able to subtly affect and you know control in subtle ways our journeys and get us on the you know may, you know get, get us to the places that we need you know whether you want to call it your horoscope or the moon or whatever but there are mechanisms urging us forward 
and uh, and helping us to grow. And, uh, you know, who am I to judge anybody on their path? I don't know all the details. You know, I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you let the universe or God sort them out. And it's my job to love you. It's my job to see your great depth and goodness that you can be and hope that that's the person who arrives in front of me um, and not believe ever that I'm going to meet somebody who's a piece of crap. You know, I, I like to meet everybody thinking everybody in this universe has a great day and where they're awesome. And I'm only ever meeting anybody on their best day where they are able to just be great and I can be great with them. And if they're racist, that means we're not going to talk about black people. You know, if they're, um, you know, crazy, we're not going to have that crazy conversation. We're going to have the stable, you know, if they're depressed, we're going to have this conversation about ice cream and, uh, and really, you know, just Tony Robbins, you know, if you want to talk so many of the great people who have been good leaders for us, uh, you know, in, about mindset, you know, having a positive mental attitude, you know, my dad's always been huge about that positive mental attitude. It's so much of the game and you really just, the more you can put both feet into that positive mental attitude and go, you know what I am creating my own universe and what I want is this and I am not going to sit here and wait for it to come to me. I'm going to take the steps in the direction of what I want and I'm going to trust that because I am vibrating with the the energy of this, this idea of this thing I want that the universe is magnetic and it's going to send things of similar variety to me simply because I am vibrating there. And that is like the laws of manifestation, which are you know, so many of the like you know, laws of the, the universe. If you can celebrate in the knowing now that anything you want can be yours, and um, you know it just requires the, the the mental fortitude and step in the direction. I would agree. Um, I would agree. Know, I think uh, I think uh, you're you're sending the right message. That's for sure. Especially in this climate, we uh, we definitely need to look at things a little differently and. And try and put a positive spin on things. Um, we got to wrap this thing up, man. We're running long. I think we've come full circle here. With, uh, with we the, covered a range. Oh my gosh, we stepped on all of it. We're gonna have to uh, get back with you and get a little more in depth on some of these things. But you had so much to fit into uh, uh, the podcast. We we got a long way to go, and I didn't even know about the spiritual enlightenment. That's a whole other game. But it really it. is. I mean, and that's really been my bag for the past bunch of years. Because it's funny, you know, my mom, uh, you know, she had said something to to me at some point, like while I was going through some of these things, where she was like, "Jesse, it's like, you know, like, like you know, it's just like." She didn't say I was a loser, you know, but there was sort of like this like indication of like these things that you're going through at the moment. This is just like this is what losers deal with. <laughs> she put and her mom really, twist on it. Well, yeah, because it's really interesting because aesthetically, I understood exactly what she said, what what she meant. And I realized, actually, that I was like, oh, my God, like, you did this. Well, I, And I mean, she didn't do it to me. I did it to myself. But it's sort of like the things that I was taught to fear became the things that I essentially had to walk through to get over my fears. Things like, you know... Um, not being, you know, being an adult and not exactly being financially independent for a minute because I got myself in like trouble, you know, like, yeah. Oh no. Like, you know, you, you, like you need to like borrow money from a friend, like for a moment, like, well, who hasn't had to do that here or there? Yeah. You know, I've been 
politically independent more than anybody in my family besides my dad, uh, you know, and my mom. Uh, for most of my life, I mean, like I bought houses and sold houses, and you know, I I I, I produced blacklight district myself. Like, really, the reason why I don't have money is because I've spent so much money on things that I've made, just sort of believing in myself and believing in things. And then, you know, sometimes circumstances happen, like divorce and whatever else, and you're in circumstances that you never dreamed that you would be in before. But divorce and you know this sort of like even like a being of like being kind of homeless having to stay with the, a family member having to stay with a, a friend for a moment in time like not being the independent generator like i've always been the guy who's like yes i've got a couch you can sleep on yes i have an extra room yeah, yeah no problem like the person who can reach out to other people and then at 30 uh, you know 37 years old jesse like you're like in the in the depths of these things that you know you don't like we don't want any of these things these are the bad things but really and i mean it's just you know relatively fresh for me like you know the last like you know earlier in the year was like you know sort of the end of this for me um you know getting out of this thing and i'm like I'm about to get into my place now finally like everything's you know really changing but the journey was that I had put so much fear into the idea of like being homeless or being broke or having to go back to doing construction and like having to, you know, I was famous and now I'm not like all this like weird energy about all these things that I was worried about. And what we focus upon manifests itself. And I was somebody who was kicking the can down the road. My body pain was due to, I wasn't living my life genuinely and going on the spiritual journey to fix my body so much of what i had to learn was just how not true to myself i was being and that i had kind of gotten into my marriage for the wrong reasons basically you know basically i was trying to be honorable and i thought it was like the right thing to do as opposed to it was what i really wanted to do Ooh. and then trying to be honorable carried me forward for 15 years and then having to come out of that I had to face all the fears that I didn't want to face in breaking up a traditional marriage, not being the perfect oldest son, not being the great <laughs> uh, husband to the parents that I told her that I would be, you know, making my father-in-law disappointed. I mean, I love him so much. That was a big disappointment for me. The idea that, oh, no, I'm totally going to make him upset. I broke his daughter's heart. You know, yeah. I wrote a song about it. A funny one of just like my, my father-in-law is straight off the wall because I broke his daughter's heart. And the CIA hopes I go away because I'm tearing their shit apart. <laughs> um, it's just about like being divorced and having time on your hands to like look up conspiracy theories. On the <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, but really that was the journey. And like when I was talking to my mom, I was just like, wow, mom, I'm like, these are the things that I was taught were the things I really kind of wanted to avoid. And I put so much fear into them that I literally put myself into a situation where I would ultimately pull them into my life in the worst way. But I can remember the first time I had to sleep in my car and I was smiling about it because I had gotten to the point as I was dealing with this really difficult situation I had put myself into where I was at peace with it. And I was just really grateful that I had a place to park. And then I had a few of the other things that were going on that were the right things, the jobs that I needed to start getting me the money that I needed to be able to afford a rent so I could put a down payment down, you know, and to be able to help my, my ex-wife. And like, because it just went from like, I had a bunch of money and I could do it to, I couldn't. Yeah. And then to, to really go like, just hmm, nothing. You got to take a look at it. Like, 
but I'm still rich and it's okay. And I see <laughs> that I'm on the path and I know everything's all right. And I'm coming out of this and I'm going to be so much better for this. And there are so many people who are homeless right now. You know, and it, I know what they were dealing with, you know, existentially. And even though I'm at peace with this, this isn't cool. You know, it, 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 I shouldn't have to ever be in this situation and nobody else should either. And it really like empowered me to want to give back more to, and I want to work with homeless veterans. I'm, gonna be, I'm starting to like connect some dots there and, and a whole bunch of people. There's so many people who need help. And it just really like coming to terms with being grateful for even in like the worst situation. And that was the lesson for me. I had to come to this bad place to be grateful through it and, uh, and really just you know, be at peace. Ironically, I, uh, I was at a wedding over the weekend and one of the guys that was there, I've known him forever and he's choosing to live in his car right now because I, I, you know, the family's solid. They, they totally would help. I get- but, he, but, but, but I sat and talked to him a great length at the wedding just because I'm like, your, your, your stress level, your, your, your wants and needs your life is at a basic a point as it can be right now now granted there's a lot of people that don't choose to be homeless and 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 you know would love to have a car to live in but he has his yes. car all customized and he's like this is what works for me he's done it for like six years he said but you can just tell he's just at peace he's like i'm you know i'm i am where well, i am all the money that he would normally be putting into a place which is just have become absurd amounts yeah he's just living an enjoyable comfortable life yeah well, I looked yeah. at the van. It wasn't uh, anywhere that I would live, but, but, you know, if well, you're a no, single dude, that, you know, I like, I need a space. Like for me, I'm more of a space guy. And for and me, it was very difficult. Like Blacklight District is a name that's all about a space. It's about creating a space for yourself where you're comfortable. That's my Blacklight District, the place where you hang your posters and you light the room the way you want it to look. And yeah. You, you, feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, so for me, it was very hard initially as I was like, changing up situations like because i was with a girlfriend for a minute so like i had a place and then i set myself up where like i really didn't have anywhere um and i was just kind of like had to kind of crash with some people who loved me while i figured my shit out and then all and then sometimes just didn't want to be a burden on the, the the people um and feeling like a burden that's the thing too like that's one of the, the things i had to get over because you know there's people who love you and they're happy to take care of you but then at the same time Eventually, it just became this thing where I was like, I'm so at peace. Like, it's like 11 o'clock at night or whatever. I'm tired. I'm just going to sleep in my freaking back of my car. Like, I'm like, <laughs> and I'll be on with the show tomorrow. And like, and just whatever. It's like, you know, sometimes in this world, you know, if you're betting on yourself and trying to win and doing the best you can and you fall on your face, I mean, hey, man, like it happens. Like, keep going for it. Like, yeah. that's what you do. Is you just like, what do I pack it in? Like, no, I'm like, I'm. I'm well, working you have on it. I know to. what I do and things are just learn. been a little. Yeah, exactly. I learned and I'm just, I'm so grateful. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been a grateful person since I started working with the medicinal plants. Like it, they really woke me up, but the richness of my appreciation that I really find myself feeling and, and my 
just real strong desire to to want to give back in the right ways and and, and knowing that I can finally that I, I really have some things to offer I think to people it's it's just wonderful and uh, you know me and uh, my friend Jack are going to be taking people on herbalist walks on like weekends <laughs> and uh, and I'm like you know be turning the spiritual shop into a, a cool little money making thing for me to be able to do like spiritual stuff and be able to pass on information that I like and get paid to do it um, and so that's awesome you know things work their their way out and I, sure I really do. believe that now and i just see everything just connecting for me in so many ways and um you know and I'm, I'm on my way into a house so you know on on it goes and i'll be uh i'll be fucking kicking ass better than ever financially in a in a short period of time but everybody ebbs and flows and most of the people are freaking dealing with what i'm dealing with times 11 and and, and whatever else oh, yeah. uh, at this moment in time so i'm just so grateful to have you know the support that i do and, and be uh you know have the various abilities that I have and be able to do as many things as I can. Hell yeah. Well, listen, man, I, uh, I, I love the story. I, I, I we're going to have to circle back with you and, uh, and dig a little deeper and, and uh, find out where you're at with the spiritual, uh, guiding in the, uh, in the woods. Uh, you got it. I I whenever I get a chance, it. Whenever, uh, we can set it up. Uh, you know, I've been really kind of feeling like, uh, so much of my, like what I'm supposed to do to help the plants is reframe um, the conversation being had about conversations with these plants, you know, taking these plants, uh, you know, because people are having very strange experiences and kind of coming back occasionally and like freaking people out. Right. Um, but, but the plants are, they're, they're very much like consciously, you know, they're like, they tell you like, like they're here to help you. They, they want to help us. And we've, become a little disconnected from where we come from you know and we come yeah. from the plants come from you know this earth and they are connectors to that consciousness of the planet and sort of the all of our consciousnesses together you know the all of the similar love we feel for our families and all this all that you know that is like an echo of vibration fatherly love motherly love you know and it's just it's all just governed by the planet like uh, a beehive governs the energy of itself or a flock of birds governs the energy of itself and we've lost touch with that connectivity of each other and uh it's a it's a wonderful journey and i have so many cool stories to tell of it and i'm very happy to demystify um the experience because it is being used to great effect now all over the planet to help people overcome amazing things and actually if you check out it's a great way to end check out my new album come with me if you want to live uh it very much is my spiritual journey you know uh, you, you've already been listening to it yeah um, and you could follow it uh, along you know there's a song called get smart which is really all about mother ayahuasca and her telling me that i had to do what i was here to do i had to make music and uh do it unapologetically and uh just so much of the different legs of my spiritual journey are on there uh and you can find it wherever digital music is sold or streamed or whatever just type in jesse blaze come with me if you want to live and um as you heard it right here it ain't bad <laughs> <laughs> i like it man that's awesome i uh i thank you for the time my pleasure thanks for having me hey this is jesse blaze snyder and i love the dk project podcast <laughs> that a boy i like it that's it. That's the end. That's a wrap. Read the shtick. That's a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends. If you'd like to reach out, you can use the studio line at 612-504-6500. 
or by email, the DK Project Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, there's always social media at the DK Project Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.